Great to see you all. As Ruby said, we're in week number two of The Good News, and this is a series of messages designed really to just remind you how incredibly amazing Jesus Christ is, what he came, what he did, what it's like to know him, and to get a, a sense of his return. Because the Jesus you see in the Gospels is not the Jesus you see in the Revelation. The Jesus you see in the Revelation is a king returning with his saints to rule and reign forever. And he is magnificent in the Gospels, but he is amazing in the Revelation. And what we want to do is kind of refresh and remind you of the message of Jesus Christ, a simple Gospel message, so that like if you've never heard it before, if it's not real in your life, that it would become real in your life, but also so that you have a renewed confidence to share it, friends, families, people you come across when the opportunity arises, that you can just kind of talk really freely and in a relaxed and confident way about Jesus Christ. And kind of fittingly this morning, we're actually going to talk about Christ and the kingdom of God. And it's fitting because, as Ruby said, you know, we lost... A mighty one this past week in, in the Queen. Just so confident with her faith, so out there with her faith, uh, so clear about who Jesus was, what he did, and what it means. So we're going to be talking about the kingdom of God and what it is to be part of the kingdom, which is actually really exciting. And so we're going to be in Mark chapter number one. If you did your pre-reading, it would have taken you like about two seconds because it's uh, two verses, so Ruby didn't give me much to work with, but I'll forgive him for that. One, one of the things I've been, one of the books I've been reading, uh, or I'm reading at the moment because I normally have a few on, on the way, is, is this. It is called The Making of Star Wars, The Definitive uh, Story uh, Behind the Original Film. Uh, I've got it on my Kindle, but you know, sometimes you just got to go old-fashioned, right? And um, so this this is this is an incredible book. It is 350 pages long. I've had it for four years. I'm up to page 50, and uh, I don't know quite. So that's like one page a month. Now it's small font, but you know, even so. I'm not sure what it is. I think it's like a great cup of coffee. I'm just savouring every moment of it because it sort of thrusts me back. I'm eight. In 1977, when Star Wars is released in December 77, I'm eight year old, years old again. It's taking me back into the, the Godfather, American Graffiti, the, the original Planet of the Apes, which rocks forever. Uh, I'm back in that realm, and so I'm just, I think, just taking my time. You know, maybe it's because I keep on going back and rereading parts and, and savouring it. Maybe I just need to get a life. Maybe it's because I've got too much of a life and I can't get on with it. But so, so it is a, it's, a, it's an amazing book. And I didn't realise how, how deeply creative filmmaking is and writing screenplays. And so, you know, you start out with George Lucas just in this agonising process of creating the original screenplay and just from a blank sheet of paper and you can sort of, you sort of see the story develop as he's, as he's you know, struggling with creating this, this thing and I'm sitting on the couch with my feet up and I'm talking to Penny, I'm married to Penny 
And I'm saying, oh, wow, this creative process is amazing. And he's struggling and he's, you know, and I can see the ideas develop and how they're changing. And she's just looking at me, rolling her eyes. Penny's an artist. She's going, well, welcome to my world after 30 years of marriage. It's nice that you finally arrived. I would say better late than never. Wouldn't, wouldn't you agree? So it's, it's a fun book. Like I said, I was eight in the summer of 77, 78, when I first went to the movie theater and saw Star Wars. And if, you are, if you're over 50, you might resonate with this. If you're not, um, I'm, I'm sad for you. Uh, it's like something changed that day in the world. And it's hard to describe what it was, but you weren't the same when you went out as when you went in. Something just shifted or changed that day. And you talk about people that were there at that time that uh, experienced that, they will say, yeah. And I was, I was chatting with someone 20 years younger than me, and we were talking, I don't know how we got onto it, we were talking about it. And he asked me, he said, so what was it that changed that day? And you know, it's a hard question to answer. What, what was it that changed that day? And I've pondered and thought about it. And, and I think the thing is, Maybe it's like this, that suddenly a world of just possibilities, a world of potential just opened up in front of you and what seemed impossible when you went into the movie theatre two hours later just suddenly seems not only possible but probable. I think that what, that's what happened. And of course we're on the precipice, the beginning, of, of uh the digital information age, and I think maybe it was that Star Wars kind of heralded that age, and of course, the world has changed dramatically uh, through the 80s. If you didn't live in the 80s, again, I'm really sorry for you, but you'll get over it. Uh, and I think that the world of possibilities just opened up. But the other thing was, and it wasn't so much in 77, and it was a long wait to 1980 to the Empire Strikes Back, an agonizing wait, particularly if you're eight, you know, you know, but when The Empire Strikes Back came along, the sequel, and it started out, and you know, you, that iconic kind of, they call it the crawl, the crawl of text, yellow on a black background, and it kind of, it, it sort of moves in front of you and goes to the center, then disappears, uh, iconic. But it started out episode five, and nobody missed it. Oh, we're just in the, we're in the middle of something big, right? And there's so much more to come. It was so exciting. It's hard to express you the thrill of that. Um, so what's that got to do with Mark chapter number one? That's a great question. Well, <laughs> you'll say nothing. No, no, no. There's a really significant connection. Jesus came along and, and he said to the people of Galilee, to the region of Galilee, he said, I've got something that will open up a world of possibilities to you today. That's his first, the first thing he said. And the second thing he said is, and you're just, got, you're just going to get a taste of it because there's so much more to come. And that is the message of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God will change your world. And yes, Star Wars changed my world, but not like the kingdom of God changed my world when I entered into it. And not only that, the kingdom is just a taste of what is to come. Just a little bit of a glimpse of the glory that's coming. So come with me and your Bibles and your phones and your iPads, whatever you've got with you. Uh, let's go into Mark chapter number 1 and verses 14 and 15. 
because we're going to see Jesus' message as he walked around the region of Galilee. And he says, and it says, after John was put in prison, Jesus went to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Jesus walks in that region and he announces the time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. The kingdom of God is at, you know, the heart of Jesus' message, at the heart of his message. Fourteen times in Mark's 15 chapters, Jesus uses this phrase, the kingdom of God. It's at the heart of his message. Go into the Gospel of Luke, and 32 times in about 26 chapters, Jesus uses that phrase, the kingdom of God. Go into the book of Matthew, and you'll, you'll find the phrase, the kingdom of heaven. It's not the same as the kingdom of God. Matthew was written to a Jewish audience, and he couldn't offend them by using the name of Yahweh or Elohim, because the Jews wouldn't say the name of God. So he couldn't use the kingdom of God, so he, he replaced it with the kingdom of heaven. And just like Luke, 32 times in the Gospel of Matthew, this phrase, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, is used by Christ. It's at the heart of his message, and it's the absolute heart of the gospel, the kingdom of God. Um, But it's not something we talk about very often, is it? You don't hear about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven that that often. And because of that, it's sometimes not something we understand very well. Uh, But it is central to who Jesus is, what the gospel is, and to help us to understand Jesus in a, in a full way, in an extensive way. The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, is at the heart of the gospel. And if we understand the kingdom, if we broaden our understanding of the kingdom, we see that it has implications for every area of our life. Every area. We see it's a basis for living. In fact, I'll go much further than that. It is really the only way to live. Being part of the kingdom brings the fullness of God into our lives and fulfills our lives and stretches our lives and broadens our lives in a way that nothing else can. It's the kingdom of God. And so this morning I want to just briefly cover with you what is the kingdom. When Jesus talked about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven is hand, what what did he mean by that? And why, why is it necessary to be part of the kingdom of God? So first of all, what is the kingdom of God? Jesus proclaimed it. What was he proclaiming around Galilee when he said that? And essentially what he was saying when he said the kingdom of God has come, it's at hand, it's near, it's arrived, is that there is an invasion of the reign of God into our world. And that invasion is so that the things that are broken can be made right. So that the things that are broken can be made right. An invasion of the realm of God into our world. It's applying supernatural powers so that in our world the creation is healed. That's the kingdom of God, the applying of supernatural powers. Uh, It's about God's power being displayed over every area, every aspect of human life so that no aspect is left untouched. That's the kingdom of God. The goal of Christianity is not just to make us happier or more blessed or to bring more meaning into our lives. It's all of that. 
It's not just to bring spirituality into our lives. Its goal, the goal of Christianity, is the complete renewal of the universe as a whole, restoring everything in the universe to its proper order. That's why Jesus said the time has come, the kingdom of God has come near, the process is starting. And Jesus is proclaimed to be the king of the kingdom. Kingdom. He's the one that exercised the power. And one of the chief goals in the Gospel of Mark, and in fact across the other Gospels, Luke and Matthew, is to convince us that Jesus is the king of the kingdom, the greatest kingdom of all time, the kingdom of God. He's the king of the kingdom. And he has authority. He has authority over the demonic realm, over sickness, over disease, over evil, over mankind. He even has authority over death. He's the king. He's the king. Passage after passage tries to get across to us that Jesus is the one with authority. And one of the main ways he demonstrates that to us is by his miracles. And the miracles, they weren't just acts of compassion on people's lives, although they were acts of compassion. They were so much more than that. When Jesus performed a miracle, what he was essentially saying and doing is demonstrating to us that the kingdom of God is here. It's come. Essentially, he was reaching into the future when all things will be restored, when all things will be brought back into their rightful state, he was reaching into the future and bringing it into the presence and saying, this is what it's going to be like when I come in all my fullness. That's what he was doing. I've come to set things right one day, set them right completely, and so he reaches into the future and he pulls things into the present. And he says, this is what's in store for those that repent. And believe. He's the king. And ultimately, it's all about a renewed cosmos, a renewed universe, a renewed world, and it's so exciting. That's why it's the good news. That's why it's the good news. Of course, we look around us right now and we say, "Mm, I don't know, Jesus said the kingdom is here, but I don't know about that. It sure doesn't look like it. There's a lot of evil, there's a lot of cruelty, far too much pain, there's a lot of disappointment. It's hard for me to feel that the kingdom is here in any kind of meaningful, meaningful way. One of the interesting things in the way in which Jesus talks about the kingdom across the Gospels is is that, in a sense, it could be quite confusing because sometimes he seems to be saying, the kingdom is here now. And other times he seems to be saying, the kingdom is something in the future that's coming. So you kind of get these two senses of it. People that study the scripture, theologians, they look at that and they, and they say about the kingdom, it's something that's both already and not yet. It's already and not yet. It's partially here, but it's not completely here. It's begun to make inroads into our world, but we have to wait till Jesus comes again before it's completely and totally here in its fullness. It's a bit like COVID, isn't it? I think we all have the sense that COVID is coming to an end. Thank goodness. <laughs> You know that either it's going to disappear entirely or it's just going to kind of meld its way into the normal flus and colds of kind of the winter season. So I think we all have that sense. But yet, there's people still getting infected. Uh, There's people still getting sick. I had a scratchy throat on Friday and I thought, oh, 
no, no. We're still wearing masks to a degree and distancing and all that. So we know it's going to end. It just hasn't ended yet. And you can think about the kingdom of God in that same way. There's a decisive victory that's taken place. Uh, with Christ coming the first, and with Christ coming in the first time, he's demonstrated his powers, and um, there's been an invasion of the power of God. It's certainly going to happen. Things will be fully restored one day. We've got a taste of it, but it's just not fully yet. What we kind of see in Jesus' ministry is coming attractions. It's like going to downtown or to Focal Point, and you sit through the coming films before you get to the main feature. We've kind of got the coming attractions. We get a taste of what's coming, but it's not the full film right now. And that's what the miracles are all about. The kingdom of God has come near. Jesus' reign right now is primarily exercised in the hearts of lives, hearts and lives of you and me, of human beings. Those that repent and believe the good news. That's where the kingdom is. And as he gains ascendancy over us when we come into his kingdom, he continues to rule in us and we are subdued under his reign then he extends the kingdom's influence across the world. And he does it through us in all that we do, whether we're at school or university or work or with our friends and families, wherever we are. If the kingdom's in us and we're in the kingdom, then we extend the influence of the kingdom across the world. It's good news. And those of us that are a part of the kingdom get to experience something of what God's final kingdom will be like. We know, know some measure of victory over sin, we know some measure of victory over demonic kind of influence and oppression. We know some, uh, some sense of victory over disease. We've got a friend who had a major cancer surgery last Thursday, and we've been telling this friend of ours as she kind of went into it, uh, we, man, Penny and I are praying for you. And she went into surgery um, and came out, and we just found out on Wednesday it was the best outcome you could possibly get. And we're chatting to her on the phone and she said, wow, your prayers really worked. You know, it's that sense of pulling the future into the present, isn't it? And seeing the kingdom having influence over not only us, but the people around us, the kingdom of God. Those that believe in Christ, repent and believe in Christ, those of us, we have, a, we have the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, that dynamic power. We've got to, we've got to taste of that, a bit of that. Uh, because the Spirit is the one that empowers the kingdom. And so we get a taste. But we haven't got it fully. But just enough to get excited about it, right? And that's the basic teaching of the kingdom of God. It's something that's partially here. It's something that's given us a glimpse into the future. It's showing us the potential and the possibilities and the excitement that's to come. But it's uh, only partially here. It's here, but not completely. That's why Jesus said, the kingdom of God has come near. So that's what is the kingdom. Why, why is the kingdom necessary? Why, why do we need the kingdom? Why is it necessary? Jesus said, the time has come. Are things really so bad that only God can overturn them? Are they really? Are things so horrible out in the world that only the reign of God can put them right? Well, the scripture answers that question and says, yes, absolutely, emphatically, yes. They are so bad and in such catastrophic proportions that only the reign of God can bring wholeness and healing to our world. That's why we need it. That's why we need it. One of the ways we see that is by looking into the original intention for creation and just seeing how far we are away from that. 
If we look at the earliest chapters of Genesis, we see that there are four types of relationships that were set up and were meant to be peace and harmony. First, it was meant to be a relationship between humans and God. We were built for a relationship with God. We were designed for it. That was our, 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 our um, intent, if you like. We were made to know him and to worship him and to love him and delight in him. There was not meant to be estrangement and alienation. It was a relationship that was meant to thrill us. Secondly, relationships with one another were meant to be deep and significant and intimate. That was the, the intention of creation. Thirdly, not only peace with God, but peace with ourselves. Um, we were meant to uh, be at peace with ourselves to know who we were, not to be confused about who we were, uh, not to walk around with shame and guilt. We were meant to be at peace with ourselves. And lastly, we were meant to be at peace with creation. Uh, work was originally meant to be a blessing, meant to be um, um, a wonderful thing, a way of interacting with creation, cultivating cultivating it. From the start, there was meant to be technologies and cities built, and uh, art was meant to flourish, uh, even for us non-creative types. Uh, we were meant to cultivate the world that God had given us. It was meant to be peace and harmony. That's the way things were intended to be. And yet, with one rebellious, one wicked, one uh, choice that displayed in gratitude to God and, and gratitude to all he'd done, we spoiled it as a human race. We spoiled it. We turned against God. We said, we no longer want you, God, to rule and reign over us as the king. We won't, don't want you to tell us what to do. We want to call the shots. Our allegiances want to be want, are with ourselves and us only and not with you. That's what we did. And with that decision, the whole of creation was infected with a curse, and things have been in a downward spiral ever since. We began a whole process of alienation and estrangement, not only from God, but from each other, from ourselves, and from the creation. Our relationship with God was filled with hostility. There was anger, there was wrath. We ran away from us when we ran away from him, and things got into a mess. Our relationships with each other became like debilitated and uh, no longer filled with trust. We knew that when push came to shove, the other person would not have our interests at heart, but have their own interests at heart. They would stab us in the back if they got a chance. Thirdly, our relationships with ourselves were alienated. Uh, we no longer knew who we were. We didn't know what we were about. We didn't know what we were meant to do. And finally, there was alienation with creation. Work became a slog, a grind, thistles and thorns, the story of Genesis. We grew up working by the sweat of our brow. Everything tasted of alienation. Everything tasted of estrangement. Nothing was as good as it should be. That's how the early chapters of Genesis paint our situation. They tell us that things aren't as they ought to be. Um, and if we think things are really bad, the reality is they're probably much worse than we think. A lot of times we look out on humanity, look out on the world, and we say, hmm, it's like we've got a cold. But the Bible says, no, we've got cancer. The scriptures say we kind of estimate it wrong. We look at the world around us and we see their problems and we say, oh, it's just a slight storm. But the Bible says, God says, it's actually a gale force hurricane that is ripping and rampaging through the world. We desperately need someone to intervene. Desperately. We need someone powerful, someone like a king, to come and intervene and put it right. And that's what Jesus did. 
He set things right. Jesus is the king. He's the one that brought an end to estrangement with God, to the chaos that was in place. He put it back together. And he went all the way for us as a king. He gave up his life on the cross, and he did that to bring healing to our relationships with God, with one another, with ourselves, and with creation. That's why he puts it rather plainly, repent and believe the good news. Repent and believe the good news. What the king promises, us, promises to us is that he will come in and dwell in the hearts of those who cry out to him for mercy, who say we need you, who say we realize how bad it's got, we realize what a mess it's in. We realize the catastrophic nature of our problems, both within us, outside of us, and we know that only you, Jesus, will do. To the people who proclaim and who repent and who believe and who want the good news, he says, I will be your king. I'll come and dwell in your hearts. I'll come and dwell in your life. I'll come and bring the kingdom of God into your life. And I'll begin to make a difference through you on others. That's the kingdom of God. That's the initiation of the kingdom of God into us, into our hearts. We are brought back into relationship with God, back into His, his rule, back into His joy, back into His sovereign reign when we repent and believe. And it's ultimately the very best thing we can possibly do. When we do that, we begin to realize just how relevant Christianity is, not only for us, but for the world around us. Repentance and belief brings in healing to our relationship with God, to our relationship with others, to our relationship to ourselves, to our relationship with creation. That's what it does. It starts that healing process. All of that will ultimately be put right. But the introduction of the kingdom of God starts that. And it begins with us. But beyond that, as we walk around as part of God's kingdom, as subjects of his kingdom, as people that are under his rule and reign, it starts to ripple out from us and has an impact on others. Repent and believe. The time has come. The kingdom of God is near. So the really simple message as you get out and about and engage with people and share the love of Christ is the kingdom of God is a blast. It's so good to be part of the kingdom. Because in the kingdom, you get to experience something of the future in the presence, in the present. You get the opportunity of Christ as we pray and engage with him, reaching into the future and bringing something of the miraculous, amazing, restored future into our present. Who doesn't want that? Man, that's amazing. But, but it's even better than that because when you experience just that little taste of the future, it gives you a sense of what is to come. And for those that repent and believe, the future is ours in Christ. He's going to come, he's going to restore, he's going to heal, he's going to unite, he's going to settle it all, he's going to make it all new. And we get to be a part of that.
That's the gospel. That's the kingdom of God. That's the good news. So as you get about in your week, say, man, it's great. You like Star Wars? It's so much better than that. Man, it's amazing. Look, if that's the first time you've ever heard that, Jesus' invitation in Mark chapter number one 2,000 years ago applies to you today. It just says repent. And that just, well, that's really simple. Just recognize that things have gone wrong, not only in the world, but in your life. You just front up to God and you just say sorry. Sorry for messing it up. <laughs> you do a really simple thing in your heart, it happens in the heart. You just believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the King of Kings, the King of the Kingdom. He promises us at that moment he will come into our hearts and dwell in there forever. Kingdom of God. So I'm going to pray and the worship band is going to come back and we're going to celebrate this King and his kingdom. Holy Spirit of God, this morning we speak to you the power of the kingdom. Holy Spirit, we just ask you to give us a renewed sense of what it's like to be a part of the kingdom of God, to be under the rule and reign of Jesus Christ. It happens in our hearts and minds. Help us to remember how exciting it is to be part of your kingdom, the, the world of possibility that it opens up when we are part of it. That you can reach into the future and bring some of that future reality into the present and do miraculous, amazing, incredible things in our lives and the lives of those around us because it's your kingdom. Help us to remember that. Help us to remember we're just getting a glimpse, a taste of what's to come and the things that are to come are just incredible. It'll blow our minds when we get there. We'll think, wow. Holy Spirit, remind us, excite us, inspire us. Refresh us, renew us, and give us an excitement and a willingness to talk to others about what it's like to be part of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. We ask these things in Christ's name who came and made the kingdom possible. We praise him and thank him. It's in his name we pray. Amen.